G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Whether we're talking physical immunity in relation to the coronavirus or a spiritual immunity that we'll unpack today. At times of national and international crisis, we might be concerned to know where to find refuge in the midst of turbulent times. If we're not affected by the actual health crisis, we are likely to be affected by the economic crisis. Whether we've lost jobs, working hours, or the sort of security that we've been used to. And today, our leaders are forecasting 10% unemployment. Where do you fit in all of that? The likelihood is that we're headed for depression. It's not a nice thought, but it is the likelihood. When Jesus said, build your house on the rock and not the sand, he insisted that the storms would come and the foundations of our lives would be the determining factor as to whether we fall or whether we survive and perhaps even thrive. Well, our personal resilience, our faith is being tested. So where do we find refuge from the storm? And how can we build our spiritual immune system to be strong in our faith and able to confront the challenges of these rapidly changing times? We're confronted with the idea that if we have a weak and sickly faith, we may not be able to stand as the storm comes to our door. It's an important conversation today. And very good to be able to welcome special guest Dr. Camille Magdaly, who's joining us from the UK. He leads Teach All Nations, a Bible teacher, a futurist, following global trends and helping Christian believers become future ready. Camille Magdaly, special welcome back to 2020. Well, good morning, Neil, and good morning, Australia. And we might say, Camille, it is good morning for you too, but a little earlier in the morning than, than it is for us. Uh, what is it, about one thirty your time? Yes, it's one thirty a.m. Well, we're mindful of that and very thankful for your staying up late uh, in the UK to uh, talk to us today. Camille, let's start with perhaps some global reflection on what's happening with the pandemic, the coronavirus. Uh, when I mentioned in the introduction you know, the storms will come. Well, the storm is here. And I wonder whether you've got any reflection in general about what's been going on globally, the coronavirus, and we'll start then to just get a little insight into what you're experiencing there in the UK. But what are your, th- what are your thoughts for the global pandemic? Well, it, this is unlike anything we've ever seen, probably in our whole lifetime, Neil. And I would say that being in a time of war would be more normal than what we're having right now. In one sense, this is actually a war, but the enemy is unseen. And of course, what you don't see and know and understand, you probably could fear even more. But remember, we've had several health challenges since the beginning of the 21st century. We've had SARS in 2003. We had MERS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, I think that was around 2007. Then we had the H1N1 in 2009. Then five or six years ago, it was the Ebola crisis. And now we've got this, which I think is in some ways the granddaddy of them all. Well, actually, the granddaddy happened 102 years ago. It was called the Spanish flu pandemic. And that particular malady, it started during the end of the Great War. I mean, the last year, March 1918, and continued on for a couple of years. But that was, that was horrific. I think it was about 50 million people perished in the Spanish flu. Well, we're praying and trusting it will be nothing like that. But even one death is, is too much. So we've not just had that. Remember, we have the global financial crisis in 2008 and 9, and now we have this and I am amazed how countries have turned off their economy 
almost like in a flick of a switch. And just imagine, Neil, what it would have been like if this had happened 15 years ago. At least we have, you know, how should you say, online shopping, we have internet banking, we have Skype, we have Zoom. It would have been far worse had this happened sooner. And so we do have a challenge, but one of the things I've been advocating from my my little bully pulpit here is uh, the fact we have to be investing in our spiritual life. In fact, that's been always the theme of the Understanding the Times Tour that I partner with Vision each year, and that is the goal. Talk about world trends and lead it to what is the most important thing, and that is to build up your spiritual life, or as I'm now saying, build up your spiritual immunity. Camille, let's talk about the UK for a moment because we've got you live on the line from the UK and uh, the reports we're hearing in Australia are pretty devastating. Uh, We've been hearing the reports of Boris Johnson. He's on the road to recovery now, having been diagnosed with COVID-19. But uh, in the UK, uh, other reports that I've heard, you know, the UK... Uh, not used to death being in the air, uh, but it's all around, uh, on the screens, it's uh, in the empty streets, it's coronavirus, the reality, our own mortality, the reality of death. Uh, is that the sort of impression you're getting as you are in the middle of what's happening in the UK? Well, it's, that's an interesting perception. I thought that's sort of how it is everywhere, and not necessarily just here. In the United Kingdom, I think what really did a shaking was when the Prime Minister himself, after warning us like three weeks ago, began the stay-at-home edict, and within days he was himself uh, at Downing Street or wherever convalescing, and the next thing we hear he's taken to ICU, and it was like touch and go. That's where it became also real. But it wasn't just Boris Johnson. It was also the health minister. Now, can you imagine the irony, the prime minister who's telling everyone to stay at home and be careful, get sick, and then the health minister gets sick. Now, he had a much quicker recovery, but uh, he, was, he was battling it for a couple of days there. So here you've got two incredibly prominent people, high profile, getting sick. And also in Britain, I mean, it's just a perception, but of course it's a much bigger population than Australia. And it's a, there's a lot of aging here in Britain. I see elderly people all over the place. And God bless them, they've reached that point. They obviously, remember, these are Brits we're talking about, and they're survivors. They have the stiff upper lip. They have the motto, keep calm and carry on. And apparently they have. That's why there's so many elderly. But, of course, it's a concern for them because they are technically the most vulnerable because of the complications that COVID-19 can bring. So, look, I actually, uh, we're allowed to go out and walk once a day or go to the supermarket or this kind of thing. And I go out every day. And it's very, uh, yeah, it's, the streets are very uncrowded for sure. But there is an air of normalcy, like life must go on. You cannot just cocoon yourself when you don't have to in your place. And we know some people, they, they're elderly, they live on their own, so they have to be contacted somehow, some way every day just to make sure they're doing all right, have their groceries delivered to them, and so on. But the National Health Service in this country is highly revered, almost like godlike status. And we constantly are thanking the National Health Service. They are, in essence, soldiers on the front line. And I know one man has gone to the hospital, he's a, he's a male nurse, and uh, we pray for him because, yes, he is in harm's way s- serving the ailing in the hospital system. Camille, as listeners can hear, and lots of listeners will be familiar with you because you've been such a regular guest over so many years now, but uh, they can hear an American accent and you have family in the United States as well. Uh, You're in the UK today as we're talking to you, but you've no doubt been monitoring things that are happening with the tragedy in the US, especially the New York State. Uh, Perceptions there, uh, what are your thoughts about what's been going on in America, which is now making everyone else's crisis look even minimal okay yes the united states situation is is a big challenge they have the 
largest amount of cases of any country. And in fact, New York City, or sorry, New York City and state have the biggest single amount of cases probably rivaling any country in the world. Neil, I don't have details, but I can tell you this, and I just checked it last night. New York's death toll, and I'm talking about city and state, is 40% of the total death toll in the United States. Isn't that amazing? 40% from one state. Now, I've heard things, but I haven't sourced them out, that there were, shall we say, Look, first of all, if I, I don't want to sound political here, but New York City and state are run by high-powered progressivist people like Bill de Blasio, the mayor, and Andrew Cuomo, the governor. Now, Andrew Cuomo and Donald Trump, from the same state, but they're two different ends of this political spectrum. But for some amazing reason, they're being nice to each other <laughs> during this crisis as well as the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who's also a high-powered progressive. They're, they're being nice to Trump and Trump to them in this hour of need. Now, it's not, unfortunately, the culture war still continues, even in the midst of a national challenge. But in New York City, I was hearing things like they were defying the curfews and they were having coronavirus parties to show they're not afraid of anything. And, you know, and of course, it's a big, crowded city in New York. So, yeah, if... Some of the things I've been hearing have not been very wise from the outset and have left them vulnerable. But then the mayor did something rather astounding. He threatened any house of worship, particularly synagogues and churches, that if they met when they shouldn't be meeting, he would close them down permanently. Now, that is about as draconian as you can imagine and certainly unconstitutional when we talk about the right of people to assemble together. So New York itself has been uh, marching to a different drummer, and it appears they're paying the price. But I can't say more than that because uh, I don't have the details. I just know New York is 40% of the American death toll, full stop. And, you know, uh, all sorts of issues around the freedoms that are being lost at present. But we might be able to get onto that as our conversation develops. Uh, let's get into this dimension of the conversation that I've invited listeners to be a part of today, Camille. A conversation that listeners are not likely to be hearing anywhere else. Uh, the idea that there could even be such a thing as a spiritual immunity when we understand a physical immunity to the sort of health challenge that might be ahead of us, uh, so far as a spiritual immunity goes, uh, what are your thoughts around uh, what that might mean? Well, to me, it's very simple. When you are spiritually strong, you can handle anything. Because building your spiritual immunity or becoming strong in the Lord doesn't just affect your spirit. It affects your body, your mind, your emotions, basically your entire being. And so this is what I have been doing for many years, not even before we started to have the Understanding the Times Tour with Vision, which started in 2015, constantly urging people to build up their spiritual immunity. It's like my, my program, my radio program, On the Rock, now, On the Rock has been going for 16 years, and always it's about the unchanging word for changing times. When you hear and do the words of Jesus, you're on a sure foundation, and you will be able to withstand all of life's storms. In essence, it's like a prophetic early warning service. That's what we try to offer, encouraging people, now is the time to prepare. See, Neil, there are lessons we could learn from this rather dreadful season of COVID-19, lessons of preparedness, lessons of priorities, putting family and loved ones and church and people before personal ambition and finances. There are preparedness even in, uh, you know, we believe in having, how should we say, a solar-powered generator, having food supplies, having candles and and torches and all that kind of thing ready. It's, it's a very good idea in the natural, but in the spiritual, it's the best idea of all. 
and there are certain things people can do so that when they are strong spiritually, they're strong. Remember, Proverbs tells us that the spirit of a man will sustain him his infirmity or sustain him in infirmity. When your mind is strong, but most of all, when your spirit is strong, it will carry your sick body and lead you to eventual recovery or healing or what have you. That's what we believe. And let me put it this way. I tell people a lot, and I'll say it to all my listeners here, if you can't trust God now, when do you plan to start? I mean, this is a really good gymnasium for working out and bulking up in trusting God and letting Him carry every worry, every fear, every trauma, every burden. He not only can do it, He wants to do it. Cast all your care on Him, for He cares for you. First Peter 5, verse 7. Let's set aside a moment while we will think of issues of whether God was taken by surprise by a global pandemic like this. Let's, we'll, we'll perhaps come back to a question like that. But the fact that there is a global pandemic, the reality of our own mortality, the reality of either us dying or family members or people in our community dying, God has our attention uh, in all of this. And so this idea of God capturing the attention of not only the nation but the world uh, on these issues, this has a level of importance too, Camille. Well, absolutely. The The thing is, it, we're in a dangerous situation. There's no other way to put it. But God promises to be a refuge and a high tower and a strong tower for those who believe and trust in him. And that's why David said that even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So what's the basis of David's fearlessness in the middle of the shadow of death? And that's very simple. Psalm 23 continues, because you are with me. If you're with me and for me, nothing and no one can be against me. This is something we need to imbibe, Neil, because it will see us through everything. Camille, some of us have got a level of spiritual immunity, and uh, I know that long-time listeners to uh, this radio program will have been building up that level of spiritual immunity because there is a intensifying uh, hope and expectation that God is on the throne and that he has all things uh, under his care. Uh, let's, though, just uh, manoeuvre a conversation to those who might not have been taking a lot of notice of that. Uh, all of those things didn't seem like they were very important when things were good. Uh, and there's an idea that uh, perhaps now I'm feeling the pressure of that. Now I'm feeling the mental anguish. Now I'm feeling the pressure of having uh, perhaps lost my income, losing my job, getting my hours cut. Uh, people who are now all of a sudden uh, thrown into some deeper waters or the storm is arriving and uh, and saying, well, I can understand what you're saying now because now it's a reality. Uh, how do I get a start on this? Uh, what are your thoughts for people who feel as though their immunity is very low right now? Well, it's never too late, at least not while we're living and breathing. And God is incredibly merciful, incredibly merciful. Just look at the story of the prodigal son. Now that is a case study of grace, of mercy, of love. And if the father of the wayward son could receive him back, I mean, before he even arrived at the property, how much more will the Heavenly Father do that to anybody who basically is prepared to humble themselves? And humbling doesn't mean putting yourself down. It actually means putting God up. It means to say, look, I went my own way, did my own thing, but I recognize I need and I want God. And when that recognition comes and they turn around and repent, and that's a key phrase here, repent, something we need to hear more of, not less, in the days ahead. Repent means willingness to change and remorse for sin. When we do that, you'd be so amazed. Of course, you wouldn't personally, you know, Neil, but people will find out that when God is all they have, God is all they need. And so, yes, 
is not too late to turn around, acknowledge your need for God, and He will meet you. The first thing He'll give you is peace in heart and mind. And once you have peace in heart and mind, then you can start making some wise decisions rather than be motivated by fear, despair, or panic. Life, Culture, and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. To join in our talkback conversation, you might have your own thoughts on what's going on. You might have even difficult questions that you've been grappling with and you'd like to put those this morning you're welcome to 1-800-316-316 you can also leave a comment on our Facebook page there's a question there that you can respond to the question says which is more important the race to build a physical immune system to COVID-19 and you know you don't have to think too deeply about that of course that's very important but what you do have to think deeply about is the alternative or the race to build a spiritual immune system in a time of rapid change. Uh, Camille, I wonder whether you've got a thought or two on uh, on our Facebook post, that question that we're asking today. Uh, of course, it's important, perhaps for both. But uh, which one is more important? Uh, I, I'll just let you know that listeners have been responding. And the overall majority are saying that the spiritual immune system is more important. I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on uh, those who might have responded so far. Well, I'm glad we're all on the same page, Neil, because that's what I've been talking about for the last several weeks. And I'm very convinced that when your spiritual immunity is strong, then you can face anything that life in a fallen world brings. And we need to remember it's still a fallen world. It's beautiful in one sense because we believe God made it, but it's fallen because of sin. And as long as we're still in a fallen world, things like pandemics and economic crises and war and rumor of war and all that can, can occur. But I love what it says in the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And We're, that really should be our stance yep. all the time. We're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jason. Jason, welcome along. Hello, Camille, and hello, Neil. Hi, Jason. What are your thoughts? I think it is very most important to build a spiritual immune system to get through tough times. And I do agree with Dr. Mutchley saying that Psalm 46 tells us exactly what it says and we need to apply it to our lives okay one thing to have a uh, a belief another thing to make an application i wonder whether you have any thoughts uh, and and on what jason is saying well i thank jason for your comments one thing that just as jason spoke it reminded me if we live in the power of the holy spirit and in spiritual immunity we are going to be a wonderful testimony for Christ to this community. When they see the peace, the joy, the serenity, the answers to prayer, and the stability we have, when others may be knocking at the knees and falling apart, we can be, for them, that refuge from the storm. Actually, that's God, but we're his representatives, and we can be that pillar in the midst of collapse. So to me... This is a time for the church when it can really, really let its light shine. But we have to be strengthened first before we can encourage and give strength to others. Thank you so much, Jason. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. You might have your own thoughts on the idea of physical immunity and spiritual immunity. And uh, some comments coming through from listeners on Facebook, Camille. Uh, one from Erina who says, I'm sure that maintaining physical wellness is just as important as our spiritual immunity, as in great to pray for God's protection, and we should be, but we equally need to look after our bodies by eating the right foods. Uh, Julie says physical immunity isn't going to help you in eternity if you don't have your spiritual immunity in place first. 
Having said that, physical immunity is important as well. And Ori says both are important. If I had to prioritise one over the other, I would put spiritual immunity ahead of physical. Uh, there's some interesting uh, thoughts in there. Of course, both of those are important, but uh, that prioritising of spiritual immunity, for some people, in a very secularised way of thinking, that's not really had been on their radar at all. But, uh, but obviously, listeners are saying today, it is very important, Camille. Well, I'm glad to hear some of those comments. Look, I'm in for the whole notion of trying to be physically immune, and that is getting good sleep, that is good nutrition. It also includes supplementation. And so I just, I'm releasing a blog later today at magdaly.blogspot.com, and also it'll be, in a, it'll be on our website and other things. But I actually have a section on the physical immunity before I go on to the spiritual immunity. Now, of course, you can only say so much in one blog, but I, I do believe in both, as it were. But I, what I'm urging people is, remember, many people will only look at the physical side, and I'm saying, why don't you be more comprehensive? Because when you take care of the spiritual side, it will actually help cover the physical. And the other point, and I just realized, you can be as physically prepared and immune as you like, but there's a lot of things you don't have control over, even with all that. And for all those parts of the time when you're not well covered or totally covered, like, for example, you have to go outside for something, have to, and you pass by somebody, and God forbid, <laughs> they might sneeze or cough. I mean, that could, in the natural, freak you out. But uh, you, can't, you can't control everything. God can fill that gap for you. So what I'm saying is, yes, I'm, I'm all for the physical side, but the spiritual side covers every base, and it also covers us when we don't have control of a situation. Camille, some people will be thinking of the spiritual as being somehow rather separate from the physical. But as you demonstrate, and uh, just over a minute away from the news, so just a quick comment here, but you mentioned the issue of sleep. Uh, here's an important element here, because if you are a person working on your spiritual immunity uh, and you are seeking the peace of God, then sleep is going to, uh, in theory, come more easily to you. And I wonder whether you've got any thoughts on the, on the practical aspect of having this spiritual immunity. Well, the, yes, you get the peace of God with the spiritual immunity, and the peace of God can help you sleep. You know, I, I've, we don't have enough time to talk about overcoming sleep issues. I'm happy to address that if we do have time later. But remember that sleep is meant to come naturally, like breathing in and breathing out. And the scripture says God gives his beloved sleep. And I do believe there's things we can do even in that department so we have a much better chance of getting nightly restful sleep that refreshes and makes us ready for the day ahead. Uh, Camille, we'll take some more calls shortly and our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. But let's just get a, an impression or two here, Camille, on what's happening in the midst of a pandemic because when we're talking about religious things, uh, issues of faith, that there is an eternal God, a lot of cynical Aussies uh, who've never really thought about that concept before or always brushed it aside as something that didn't have a lot of weight for them, uh, they are perhaps now more open than ever to this idea. What are your thoughts on what happens when a crisis like this affects the way we feel about faith? Well, usually there's one of two responses. There are some people who, in a crisis, actually harden up. They get defiant, they're mad at God, you know, it's your fault this is all happening, which of course it isn't, and they, they just become even more hard than ever. But then there's others in the same crisis, maybe in the same household even, who open up and recognize, hey, look, there must be a better way, and if I make myself right with God, or at least try to get close to him, maybe he'll help me, and maybe it'll be good at the end. So it's, they say the same sun that uh, softens the butter hardens the clay. And so I think that's usually 
what happens. One of two very different responses. Okay, so a hard-heartedness is a risk here, and uh, the challenge is to think through these things carefully as to whether you'll be soft-hearted or hard-hearted. Let's just reflect on a thought or two from listeners. Mike, who says on our Facebook post today, he says, Neil and Dr. Camille, we must get in shape now so we're ready for tougher times. And reflecting on Jeremiah 12.5, If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? If you stumble in safe country, how will you manage in the thickets by the Jordan? Uh, Something of a famous quote there, that if you're not ready, if you're only running with the men, how are you going to run with the horses? I wonder whether your thoughts uh, might be, uh, what your thoughts might be for Mike, who posted that thought today on our Facebook page. I think that's a great thought that Mike has brought up, because as bad as this is, it could be even worse. Think, God forbid, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but God forbid, what if you have a terrorist group or a rogue nation with chemical bacteriological weapons, and they just want to get a few crop dusters and spread those biochemical, as it were, weaponry across cities, whole cities? I mean, what would we do then? That, that, how, do, how would we handle it? Now, by the way, none of this is inevitable, and there is the power of prayer. But what would we do in even a worse situation? It is said during this coronavirus pandemic that South Korea is doing really well. They, they're nipping it in the bud. Their economy is still open and things like that. That's what I last heard. And part of the reason South Korea is doing so well is because they went through a beating with the MERS outbreak, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome. And I think they were the second, shall we say, largest country to be impacted by MERS after Saudi Arabia. Well, South Korea, of course, has a growing church that prays like there's no tomorrow. And they learned some very invaluable lessons during the MERS campaign, which made them far more prepared to handle COVID-19 than most nations. So I guess the message that I'm getting from Mike or the spinoff is learn your lessons now so that you're better prepared if, God forbid, something worse should happen. Let me reflect on another thought or two from listeners. And I want to say a talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. But Nanda says, based on 1 Timothy 4, 8, Physical exercise profits little, while spiritual exercise is profitable unto all things in this life and the life to come. Uh, No doubt there's the eternal element. And uh, save a thought there. Nina says, I would have to say for a believer it is both. Remember the question is, which is more important, the race to build a physical immune system to COVID-19 or the race to build a spiritual immune system in a time of rapid change. Nina says, I'd have to say for the believer it's both. Can a glutton, a lazy person, or a drunkard really claim to be in spiritual health? Not according to the Scriptures. God's Word contains instructions regarding our physical health, as well as instructions for what you would call spiritual health. For the believer, it's not one or the other, Uh, Greek thinking, it's one before the other, it's both, Uh, Hebrew thinking. Uh, What are your thoughts for perhaps uh, Nina and her thoughts about the spiritual believer? Well, she's actually, uh, she's launching out and getting into the deep. It's it's very interesting how she's put that. Look, uh, I think in general she's, she's correct, although I wouldn't say every person that's battling weight is, is spiritual. I wouldn't say that. Uh, many are, but there are some that are not. So we do have to give a little leeway. But yes, we say it's both, but what I'm saying is that the spiritual side covers every base and covers the parts that we can never cover ourselves. As I said earlier, we can't control every situation as fastidious as we may be, but God can. God can, uh, how should you say, intervene for us especially when we are spiritually strong in a way that's not possible. So we want to encourage people to uh, consider not just getting through this crisis, because I don't foresee this crisis, at least 
from the public health side as uh, being that long-lasting. But consider the long-term future. Because remember, after 9-11, the churches in the United States were virtually full. And that lasted, I don't know, a very short time. And then things went back to normal again. Well, I just say, Neil, we don't want things to go back to normal again. We want to go forward, not back to an unspiritual normal. Okay, time of isolation, a time of uncertainty. And uh, I want to invite listeners to join in our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from Sue in Underwood in Queensland. Hi, Sue. Welcome along. Good morning. How are you? Very well, Sue. What are your thoughts for our conversation? Um, I would just actually wanted to share a little bit uh, with the way that um, this whole thing's affected me. Um, personally, my spiritual walk, it's a bit of a wake-up call, even though I believe that I have a close relationship with the Lord. It um, rattled me quite a bit, the start of this, and just the different restrictions and how it affected me emotionally. And it actually, um, I believe, is has been a good thing as a bit of a wake-up call to realize that, hey, I'm not here forever on this planet, and um, I need to uh, focus more on... Um, Pardon me, what God wants me to do? Where am I? Uh, where does he want me to be? And these sorts of things, even more so than I was before. And I think that that's just really caused me to push in and, and to bunker into him more and to get into his word more. It's kind of catapulted me into that area and re- made me realize that don't get too comfortable in your surroundings because you're not here forever. This is not your home and you've got work to do. Wow. Uh, Sue, great thoughts. Uh, Camille, what are your thoughts for Sue? Oh, I think they're great thoughts as well, Sue, and thank you for your contribution. Uh, I would say that it's good to see it as a wake-up call. Uh, The Bible does talk about the last days. There'll be a lot of sleeping, a lot of spiritual drunkenness, and God brings a shaking. And I've been talking about this as understanding the times in other forums, but God brings a shaking, not to torment people, but to, out of mercy, wake them up and sober them up so they can be well prepared for the bigger challenges ahead. And so I'm glad that Sue is learning these lessons and, and it, God is uh, meeting with her in a very good way. And basically, again, if I can bring it back to that point of the Mary and Martha, most people are like Martha. They're busy and troubled about many things. But as Jesus says, only one thing is needful. And Mary's discovered it, and nobody can take it from her. We need to go from Martha to Mary. Church doesn't need both Marys and Martha. It needs Marys only, because we need to choose the one thing. That's our life in Jesus, our walk with Jesus, our service with Jesus. When we choose that, we win the whole ball game. Sue from Underwood, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. And you can respond on our Facebook post as well. Which is more important, the race to build a physical immune system to COVID-19 or the race to build a spiritual immune system in a time of rapid change? Uh, Camille, let's talk something very spiritual here because no doubt listeners like Sue and so many others who will be thinking about uh, this wake-up call, this time that we change, undoubtedly the way that you wait on God uh, for direction as to how he might take us forward is going to be through times of connecting with him. And one of those things will be through prayer. You've had a bit of a focus of recent times on prioritizing the sorts of prayer points uh, that we need to be mindful of right now. What are your thoughts here around prayer? Okay, thanks for that question, Neil. First of all, our spiritual immunity, let me quickly mention, it is built up by learning and walking in God's Word. Our worship of God, praise and worship is very, very important to be spiritually strong. Our obedience to the commands of God, that almost virtually goes without saying. And, of course, welcoming the Holy Spirit and being born again of the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit very, very important for spiritual immunity. And then, of course, our prayer life. If we don't have a prayer life, we will be spiritually weak. 
we need to develop our prayer life, not to be religious, but to be empowered from on high. I've been urging what is called five points of prayer during this crisis, and I'll quickly go through them. The first thing is, we have spiritual authority. Let's pray for the death of this virus. Let's pray that its reign of terror will be absolutely short-lived. Let's practice binding and loosing and spiritual warfare, however you want to see it. But we actually, as believers, we do have authority through Jesus, the one who stilled every storm that he ever encountered. We have that authority too. So let's pray for that, killing of the virus. The second thing, pray for the ailing, obviously, the people who are sick. Pray for them, have peace, pray for them to be right with God. Pray for them to get healed, full stop. Let's believe for that. You know, because this is actually affecting believers too. And believers are dying too. It's raining on the just and the unjust, so to speak. So let's pray for all who are ailing. So the first is curse the virus. Second, pray for the afflicted. Third, pray for the health care workers. They are the frontline troops in this invisible war. Pray for their protection. Pray for their stamina. Pray that they will be very effective in what they do. The third thing, or fourth thing, actually, is pray for our political and other leaders. Donald Trump, in the next few days, has to make the most important decision of his life whether to reopen the U.S. economy or not. Now, whether you like Donald Trump or not is absolutely irrelevant. The point is, he, like every other leader, is there by God's decree. We know this from Romans 13. Pray that our leaders will not do the good ideas. Pray that our leaders will do the God idea. They'll do what God wants, even if they don't personally know him. Pray for the leaders. And then finally, pray for the medical researchers and scientists and others Let's also pray that we get a vaccine. We get it miraculously quickly, and we put out this bushfire as quickly as we can. Now, just remember, Australia's gone through a lot recently, gone through drought, gone through bushfire, now gone through COVID-19. Is there a word from the Lord for all this? Well, I believe there is, but uh, rather than pronouncing a word here and now, we wait on God through prayer, through devotion, through worship, and, oh, he'll give us a word all right. And when it's for the church, the purpose is edification, exhortation, and comfort. That's what we should be praying for. And I trust and pray that people will follow that through. Just to enlarge on one of those points that you've mentioned, Camille, and when you said pray for our political leaders, no matter what flavor you might prefer, uh, pray for the leaders as they're making decisions about reopening economies and the idea that leaders are there by God's decree. And I wonder whether any reflection here, if the people don't pray, uh, does God still move on the leaders? If the people do pray, uh, does that uh, change the effect, uh, the outcome, the decision-making process uh, when you bring the wisdom of God into the processes of our leaders? What are your thoughts around here, uh, the importance of praying for leaders who are making these sorts of major decisions? Well, first of all, Neil, it's actually commanded that we pray for leaders. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. To me, it's not even an option. It is a God idea. It's a God command. And there is a benefit for us because we get to live quiet and peaceable lives. <laughs> if we don't pray for them, whatever happens to them personally, as well as politically, it filters down to us. So we are commanded to do so. It's not just a good idea. The second thing is, if we do pray, that even if the leader is not walking with God, God in Scripture has been known to move on the hearts of leaders. And God, even in modern times, has been known to move on the heart of leaders for the simple reason that God's people have been praying. So to me, we are empowered by God's Word, by God's Spirit, by prayer, we are empowered to make a massive difference. But God will use the leaders to be the conduit of at least some of what He wants to do. So we really both have an awesome responsibility to, as it were, set the pace for the nation by humbling ourselves and praying. And remember, it's a thing I've shared for a long time. 
the solution for everything we face before Jesus returns is revival. And revival commences with a praying church, a, a penitent praying church. Second Chronicles 7.14, so important here. Because think of it, the only solution ultimately is a spiritual solution which helps to solve a lot of problems. It doesn't bring a perfect world revival, but it prepares us for the times ahead and for a great harvest that we believe God has promised. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Anne in Fernie Grove in Queensland. Hi, Anne. Welcome. Hello. Anne, what are Hello your thoughts? Hello, Yeah. Um, I'm a bit concerned that in the present uh, situation that we can get fearful and not continue to financially support the church and other organizations because we are a bit worried about our financial situations. And I'd like uh, Camille to comment on Ecclesiastes 11.1, cast your bread upon the waters, and how that can be seen in the light of today. Good thoughts, Anne. Camille, your thoughts for Anne? Yes, and first of all, hi, Anne. I do know you, so God bless you. (laughs) Anne came with me on a Holy Land tour. Okay, the good thoughts. As far and an interesting point that giving to the cause of God, the church, and the, and Christian organizations, oftentimes can suffer in times of economic challenge. Well, cast your bread on the waters; you shall find it after many days. I quote that to the Lord quite regularly, and <laughs> so <laughs> the thing is, we have to give to God. What is his due? We, we have to. It doesn't matter what's going on externally. Remember, we have two economies. We have the normal economy, the Australian global economy, and we have God's economy. Christians need to really get that into their heads. There are two economies, like two citizenships, one in Australia, the other in the kingdom. When you understand that, and it's not a nice idea to do the giving to the things of the Lord, only in good times. We do it when God tells us to do it. Part of building your spiritual immunity, as I said, is obeying God. No point of thinking that I'm going to do all these religious-sounding things and God owes me. No, God doesn't owe us anything. We owe Him everything. So, that, by the way, if we can solve the ownership question of everything, and that includes our money, it's very liberating. And let me just say, you can never outgive the Lord, ever our giving. I remember some person put it, I wish I knew who they were, so I give them credit, but they said, our giving is not a debt that we owe, it's a seed that we sow. We do it willingly, voluntarily. We need to give to the things of God as per normal, if not even more. Knowing this, we're not going to be shortchanged. I've never ever met anyone who got bankrupt giving to God, or went into economic hole, because they were obeying God, giving to God. I've just never seen it. God will do miracles. He will open the windows of heaven. He will pour out such a blessing. You have not room to to contain it all. That's the promise of Malachi chapter 3. So, yes, very good thought, Anne, on this whole issue of giving in a time of economic austerity. The only time you don't give is if you don't have it to give. But even the widow's might, that's in the Gospel of Luke, she gave everything, even though it wasn't worth much, and this actually caught the attention of the Master. When there are all those people milling around the offering box, but it's the poor widow that did. So give what you have, not what you don't have. I don't personally believe in giving by credit card. <laughs> you know, and If you don't have it, don't give it. But when you do have it, do what you're meant to do, as you know before the Lord, and God will do miracles in your finance, as well as in your daily life. Well, thank you so much to Anne for your call. And we've run out of time, Camille. But we would have done well to continue a conversation, getting into some of these aspects that when real challenges come, when real devastation hits, this is a time when miracles 
uh, called forth and we see the hand of God moving mightily and these things can happen uh, not only uh, in a national scale but also within our own families and our own personal circumstances trusting in God. Camille, uh, I'll mention the website uh, Teach All Nations, tan.org.au. You mentioned uh, your newsletter a little earlier. So if people go to I, Teach All Nations, uh, they can sub- subscribe to your newsletter? Yes, it's actually a teaching letter because I don't talk about myself, but okay. <laughs> it, it's, a, yep. it's a car teaching letter. You can subscribe to it on the website itself. We'd love to help you to become future ready. So we give articles from the Bible, Victorious Christian Living, and current events in the light of God's Word. It comes out once a month. And we also offer articles from others that can be of encouragement either in spiritual life or in insight in today's events. The other thing, of course, some listeners will be thinking, well, Camille comes to our community every year, the Understanding the Times Tour. Of course, that's not certain this year. Uh, I imagine, I don't know whether you're thinking that there could be possibility or whether that's completely uh, postponed or cancelled. Just an insight or two for listeners there? Well, technically, the tour is at the moment still on for August, September of 2020. We are on standby, and if restrictions continue, like I've heard WA is talking about six months of restrictions, well, obviously that impacts a tour like this. If that is the case, uh, it wouldn't take too much effort to move it six months later, or maybe seven months later, say March and April 2021. But through vision, and through Teach All Nations, we'll get that information out to people in good time. So, yeah, we're on standby. It's still scheduled. Our, there's no decisions made about postponing it, not at this moment. We'll, we'll need another month or so before we can make that decision. And I know you're in demand, but there may be listeners in communities all over Australia that would like to invite you to come to their community, and no doubt they can make contact you with you through the website Teach All Nations tan.org.au and uh, subscribe to that teaching letter and uh, Camille just great getting your insights once again that Facebook post uh, overwhelmingly uh, for people who are saying that our spiritual immune system is by priority the most important and uh, Camille thank you so much for staying up late to talk to listeners all over Australia Uh, we know you're in the UK things are really tough there and uh, our prayer is that God's richest blessing be upon you and your wife Leanne and thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020 pleasure Neil thank you and God bless Australia Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.